I'm going to read quite a bit of Scripture. I'm going to read all of chapter 6. I'm going to hit some highlights. Then we're going to baptize today. Chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? This is the New King James Version. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Stop there for a moment. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Chapter 6, verse 1 of Romans. And I'm going to read a good bit of it, but let me set some context. This picks up at the first part of chapter 6, verse 1. But it's part of the larger conversation that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is having as he's writing this letter to Rome, the church at Rome. And for five chapters, as it's separated in our Bible, basically for the first part of the letter that he's writing, for five chapters, he basically chips away at some foundational principles of the Judaism or the Jewish faith. He speaks that the law will not save you. And what that means is he says that you can't do enough to earn salvation from God by following every letter of the law. Now in, in Judaism, for generations they had taught that you have to keep every letter, every precept of the law if you want to be saved. All right. There were a few that came along, and Paul addresses that too, like Abraham and Moses, who were saved by faith. He makes that case, but basically what he's chipping away at is the law and the keeping of the law the works of the flesh to obey every little commandment will not save you. All right, and what was happening in the first five chapters also was he was chipping away at something that was kind of the, the, the doorway to be a part of the church was circumcision. Now, if you don't know what circumcision is, go Google it later. All right. But circumcision was the outward show, the sign in the flesh that you were a part of the family of God. All right, all the males were circumcised, and that was the outward showing. And he's saying circumcision is of no avail in those first five chapters. He's like, hey, I know you believe in that strongly. Circumcision is not, that's not the sign. And he's making this case, and you need to read it. Chapter 1 through chapter 5, he's making this case that we all believe, that we truly understand that we're saved by faith, by grace through faith. In other words... It's this grace of God, this unmerited favor that we have in Jesus Christ. We're saved by this grace through faith. If you believe in faith that Jesus is the Son of God, that He was sent by God, that He died on the cross for your sins, that His blood has been applied, and you have repented of your sins, then by that faith in Him, the grace of God is extended to you, and you are counted as part of the family of God. Amen? So He drives that home for five chapters. And... He moves on in chapter 6 to dealing with the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I would, I would submit to you this. I, I, there's a whole lot more in those first five chapters. I just set some context. Pretty deep, it's good stuff. You can go in the shallow end. You can go in the deep end. It's good stuff. But he gets to chapter 6 and he starts dealing with lordship. Everyone wants to believe that Jesus is Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. But we all stumble and we trip up and we have trouble when it comes to who's going to be the Lord of my life. And God has had Soma Church dealing with that quite a bit over the last few weeks, mainly because we're all struggling with it. And I think God is 
actually in the whole church, he's working a group of people to get the lordship as it should be. In other words, who is going to be the king of your life? Is it going to be Jesus and as a disciple follow him? Or is it going to be us and as a disciple, a disciple of our own desires following what we want? But Paul hammers it right here. What shall we say then? We've got this grace. We've got this Jesus. What shall we say then? It's grace. It's good. It's wonderful. It's, it's abounding much. It covers a multitude of sins. This grace that we have, should we continue in sin then that grace may abound? Verse 2, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in what? Newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that the body of sin... Oh gosh, I lost my place. Where am I? Thank you. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So this idea that he introduces in the first part of chapter 6 is, we're dead to sin and we're alive to Jesus, yes. And that we no longer, because we are dead to sin, we no longer have to sin anymore. Let me say that again. You and I don't have to sin. Because we're alive in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death no longer has dominion. Sin no longer has reign. We are, we'll get into it a little bit more, we are no longer slaves to sin. You and I do not have to sin no more. We have the life of Jesus in our mortal bodies. Amen. Now I'd like to read it from another version, and that's the message version chapter 6, up to where we are, because I think it breaks it down even more, helps us understand. Chapter 6, verse 1, reading the same scripture, just in the message version. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? He says, I should hope not, 
I like what the New King James Version says, certainly not. There's a level of, no, we don't continue sinning so God can keep forgiving. We, because we're alive in the resurrection of Jesus, have the power of the Holy Spirit, have the ability and the grace of Jesus Christ to stop sinning. And that's where we are in chapter 6 where it's, we're saved. Now Jesus is becoming the Lord of our lives. We, we have been cleansed and washed. We are dead. We, have, we are raised with Jesus. We are alive in Him. We are saved. But Jesus is becoming the Lord of our life. It goes on to say, If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, remember that? How can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we were under the water, we left our old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. Amen. So in Christ, we have the power of the resurrection that took us from being dead to sin in an old sinful house, in an old carnal fleshly way, and made us alive. He packed us up and moved us out of death and put us into eternal life and the life eternal of His resurrection. Amen. You don't live in that house anymore. You don't live in sin anymore. You're not bound to it anymore. You're bound to Jesus and the life of His resurrection. Amen and amen. You moved out. You moved out, and it wasn't you that moved out. It was Christ that moved you out. Let me say this. i got to say this, and i got to move on. That, that scripture does real good, or that interpretation does real good, but here's the way I see it. The law was like, okay, pack up all your stuff in this dead house and get out. Jesus was like, you're going to fail at that all the time. I came to die, give you my life. Here, you stand over there in the corner. I'm going to get all your stuff out of this house. I'm going to pick you up, and I'm going to take you from death to life. Amen? You just stand over there out of the way. I'm working this out. It goes on to say that is what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going on our new grace-sovereign journey. And what's that grace-sovereign journey means there? You, it's just... Jesus coming and taking you, it's like you don't deserve it, you can't earn it, you can't, it's just, it's just the absolute favor and unmerited grace, you don't, just God being a loving God and His Son Jesus. That's what reigns in this new life. Could it be any clearer, he goes on to say. Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer it sins every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in His life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, He took sin down with Him, but alive He brings God down to us. I like the way that says God down to us. But I think in American society, that is not a good way for us to look at it. Christ brings us up to God. We, I got a, this is a rabbit trail I'm coming off in a moment. 
we need to stop bringing God down to us. We need to realize that by the grace of God, Jesus has raised us up to be where God is. In Christ alone. Because when you start bringing God down to us, you start saying God is less holy and he can acclimate himself to me in my flesh. Uh Uh-uh. God cannot acclimate himself to you in your flesh. That's why he sent Jesus. Jesus acclimates us by justification, righteousness, holiness to God. What does that mean? That means, I've said it before in the last couple of weeks, we cannot stand in the holy presence of God without the grace and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We would completely be obliterated God cannot come down to us Jesus gave his life so that the blood and the sacrifice could be applied to our souls we could be righteous in Christ and we could go to where God is and when we stand before God he doesn't see our righteousness he doesn't see our right living he doesn't see the way that we're trying to earn it he does that's what Paul was talking against in the first five chapters he sees Jesus and if Jesus is applied to your life amen all right I'm back off the rabbit trail I think For, verse 11 from now on think of it this way sin speaks a dead language I love this That means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue. You hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. It ain't going to be too long from now, just a moment. It ain't going to be too long now. It's not going to be too long. Sorry, Ann. It's not going to be too long from now. That's still not right. Forget it. In just a little while. (laughs) We're going to have a Spanish service here in in this church. Our Spanish church is going to join with us. We're going to have a joint service. And there's going to be some Southern Americans, white, black, whatever race you're from, whatever background you are, you're going to, they're going to be speaking Spanish, and you're going to be going. The problem with the church, I think, sometimes is sin is speaking, and we still understand the language. Sin speaks, and we're like, oh, I remember that song. Oh, man. Speak again. Let me hear you, baby. Lordship? Lordship? Who's the king? Who's the Lord of your life? Are you really dead to the old language? Dead to the old life? Dead? Have you moved out of that house? And when sin speaks, it's kind of, ooh, I remember. Now, I'm speaking from personal experience. I'm speaking from personal experience. There's times in my life and in the sanctification, the lordship process, the following Jesus process is still going on to me. There's certain times that sin speaks and I think, mm-mm, baby. Why is there always a sanctified line right here? I'm unsanctified and y'all are always the saints. Talk to me like you, like you know what I'm talking about, right? Sin speaks and I'm like, yeah, baby. Bill, you with me? Amen, thank you. And, it, and every time I think I'm getting closer to the Lord and I have these times with God and I'm alive in Him, the resurrection is alive, and He's moving me more toward Him. There's always these times that sin speaks and I like the language. But that's not our mother tongue anymore. 
The language we speak is the language of Jesus, the language of being saved, the language of grace, the language of being alive in Christ. And when sin speaks, the longer you lean into the Lordship of Jesus and you lean into the, the hearing of God and grace and love in Jesus, the less you're enticed by the song of sin. So if you're on this journey and you just started, I mean like literally, you just started like five days ago, you were beatboxing to sin. And now you're dead in Christ and you're alive in his resurrection. That's still going to be real loud inside of you. All right. But you have to just turn down the volume and turn up the volume to Jesus. What do you mean? What do you mean? I mean, you let Lord, the Lord lead you. You let the Lord give you the ability and you turn yourself away from this and you turn yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Read his word. Get into some podcasts about preaching and listen to gospel music. Fill yourself with the language of the kingdom of God. Now, let me tell you something else. Tell you something else. That, that's, that you, you'll get frustrated with that because you'll try, 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 and that'll fail, fail, fail. And let me tell you how you really do it. You really do it by getting a hold of the Holy Ghost. What I mean by that is, it's just this turning away, and there's this spiritual drawing, and all of a sudden when you surrender to Jesus, and you surrender to His Spirit, there's a loud voice that's megaphoning in your life. It's the Holy Spirit of God, and He speaks into you. It's a supernatural thing. It's an amazing thing that happens, and He will draw you to Him, and you'll want to get away from this old stuff. Verse 12, here we go. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your life. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Oh my God. Throw yourself wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead. You're not dead anymore. You're alive in Christ. You've been raised into God's way of doing things. Sin, again, no dominion, no rule. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under the old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Sin doesn't have a vote. Now let me speak to the church for a moment. There are some folks in this house. This is going to pop you in the mouth and I mean for it too. Some folks in this house, you've been claiming Christianity for a long time and you've come in this church and you've heard me say what I'm saying today many old times, but you're still, still running around, running errands with sin. Still doing it. You're claiming to be dead and alive, but you love the dead ways. You're hanging around the grave. You like to go and read the grave every once in a while. You need to decide who you're living for. You need to decide who's the Lord of your life. You need to decide whom you're going to serve. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. I'm telling you. Some of you are running to the post office to check on sin. Stopping by the gas station to fill up with a little bit Got to go by the bank, cash the sin check. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. God's not pleased with that. He's a jealous God. He's not pleased with that. What's he going to do about it? That's the problem with your heart. 
That's the problem with your heart. The problem with your heart is you don't think God will do anything about it, so you're living a little bit on this side and a little bit on that side. But I think you probably need to end, read the end of the book. All right? And it's good now. It's good now. It's good now. Read the end of the book. Read the end of the book. Let's go on to verse 15. Chapter 6, verse 15. I'm flipping back over to the New King James Version. And we're going to read it in the New King James Version first. Chapter 6, verse 15. Thank you very much. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? My God. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you present your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love the way he does that. Because like you, when I was living in this death house... I did what the death house wanted me to do. I was a slave to this death house. But now that I'm living in this life of righteousness in Jesus Christ, eternal abiding with Him, grace abounding, I have this slaveness to Jesus. Let's go to the message and let me break it down a little bit because that's really difficult for us to understand. Message chapter 6 verse 15. So since we're out from under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's the last free act. But offer yourself to the ways of God and the freedom never quits. Now what that means is this. If you are alive in Jesus and grace is abounding, when we act in sin, there is still the feeling of the bondage of the sin that's there. Even though the yoke of sin is destroyed, even though we are free from it, even though the death is no longer there, there's still the bondage that's there. It's kind of like, like this. It's kind of like getting out of jail. Listen to this. It's kind of like being delivered or pardoned out of jail and you're free to be anywhere you want to be outside of the prison that you were once in. But we go back to the prison to eat lunch. And while we're in the prison eating lunch, 
We have all of the same shackles and burdens of the prison while we're eating lunch. When we could be free because of the pardon of Jesus Christ completely wiping away the record of sin and the record of wrong, completely pardoned, we could be eating anything under the sun, anything we wanted, anything that's in God's green earth, yet we decide to go over and be bound by the lunch we're having in the sin jail we once lived in. Do you hear what I'm saying? Have we all been there? Amen? And then you know who's in the prison? Sin lunch was good, you know? I'll, I'll pause and I'll put it this way. The Israelites had this problem. They were delivered from the slavery of Egypt. They were in bondage in Egypt. They were free to follow God all over the world. Yet they longed for the food in Egypt. They had God raining down manna. That's literally food falling from the sky like the dew falls in the morning. They literally had food from God, yet they were longing for what they had in Egypt. Now look, we all face that. And that's the lordship battle that Paul is talking about right here. We're baptized into his death. We're also baptized into his resurrection. We're no longer in slavery to sin, but we're in slavery to Jesus Christ. Now, verse 19, I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture. You can readily recall, can't you, how at one time, the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, I love this, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had. And how much different is it now as you live in God's freedom? Your lives healed and expansive in holiness. In other words, remember y'all, remember what it was once like. Now remember what it's like now. Verse 20, as long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. But do you call that a free life? What did you get out of it? Nothing you're proud of. I've never had anyone tell me. Dale Glover said it this way on Wednesday night. He said, I've never had anyone tell me who got baptized. I wish I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Taking it a step further, we have never had anybody say, in the true salvation of Jesus Christ, we have never had anybody say, man, I wish I hadn't got saved. Amen? Is there anybody in this house today thinking, I, I wish I had not given my life to Jesus Christ? Man, I wish I hadn't have done that. Wow, I wish I hadn't have done that. Man, I, I, it, why did I do that? No one ever says that. But, but, but over here in this sinful house, this bondage that we were once in, everybody once they're delivered saying, man, you know, wow, I'm so glad I don't live in that house anymore. I'm so glad I don't live in that house anymore. And even though sometimes I'm in the middle and sometimes I feel this 
conviction and sometimes it's a warfare because Jesus is becoming the Lord of my life and this thing is working out in my soul even though I don't want to go all the way back I I know I'm struggling with this mistake and I know I've slipped and I've fallen into the grace of God and I know I need the mercy of God seems like every single day but I'm no longer a resident in that house anymore I'm no longer dead trapped enslaved I'm not in jail anymore of this sin I am alive in Christ and I'm so thankful that when I was over there He loved me and He got me out of it. Amen? And I may be over here sometimes and listening to the voice of that old house, thinking about my jailbird buddies, thinking about how much fun we had, seeing them where they are. Even though I'm over here and I think about all that and I'm tempted and a song comes across the radio and I'm this or I get down and lonely and I think about this or I wonder how it would feel to self-medicate with that sin like I used to. Even though this warfare is going on in me, I remember what it was like and there was nothing good that came out of that life. There was nothing good in that jail. There's nothing good in sin, in death. There's nothing good. There is all types of good here in this life resurrected with Jesus that I live. In fact, some of us, y'all remember, we didn't like people who were of the kingdom, the new household. We knew who they were, and we avoided them until we got into the household with them, and then we honored them, we respected them, and we said, my God, why didn't I listen to you before? I'm tasting of this household and this life with Jesus. Verse 22, but now that you've found, you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do and have discovered the delight of listening, listening to God telling you. What a surprise. A whole, healed, put together life right now with more and more of life on the way. God, that's good. Work hard for sin your whole life, and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus our Master. Oh, we got to read that again. We got to read that again, starting back at verse 22. But now, now that you've found you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do and have discovered the delight of listening to God tell you, what a surprise. Good God. This is the life I want, by the way. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I am surrendered to Jesus. I am allowing him to lead me in this as a disciple of God, as a disciple of Jesus. I want a whole, healed, put-together life right now. And when I think, because this is life in resurrection, this is life in grace, this is life in love with Jesus, this is life in Christ as a disciple. Matter of fact, some of you are sitting in this room right now and you don't know ever in your life that it was whole, healed, and put together. Even when you were pretending that it was whole, healed, and put together, inside it wasn't. But I'm telling you that there is a household in Jesus Christ And I'm on that journey, man. I want it. I want a whole, healed, put-together life right now. That is in Christ and in Christ alone. 
Let me, let me exhort there a little bit more. There's going to be some really high highs and some really low lows. This is not about the feels. This is about the faith. We've had some tragedy come our way, but in the tragedy we felt the wholeness, the healed, the healing, the put together of Jesus. Even though our lives were in shambles and we were broken and undone, there was something that rose up within us called the Holy Spirit, Jesus' power. And we were whole, we were healed, and we were put together in Christ. When we're there, And we're feeling the whole, the healed, and the put together. It's not faith. We're just feeling it. Or when it is just faith, we're not feeling it. There's more of that life on the way. It never runs dry. Jesus never has to get back in the grave. Jesus never has to get back and be baptized again. Although it's okay if you do. We'll talk about that in a moment. Jesus never has to do it over. It is finished. It is complete. He is alive and He is well. He is done. And when we get to the place where we're whole in life, healed and put together, there's more of Him to come. And it never runs dry. You work hard for sin your whole life. And your pension is death. But... God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our Master. Will you stand to your feet, please? Good God. Isaac, come on. Good, good Father. Let's be real honest. We're here together, and we're all on the same page. We are all in need of Jesus' resurrection. We are all in need. Sin has dominion. Death is reigning without Jesus and His resurrection. So you're here today, and I want you to really sincerely search your heart. Go ahead, start. The message in the Holy Spirit's already done it. And I want you to ask yourself, how, where, what is Jesus not the Lord of my life? And I want you not to be concerned with the how. The how will come. The only thing to be concerned with today is the I need and the surrender. I don't know how. Jesus, I don't know how you're going to move me out of this old wretched death house to the new life that you have. I don't understand the principles and the precepts that are deep and spiritual and all the, all the churchy language. I don't get it. But God, I know you can do it. In your son, Jesus Christ. That's all you got to be focused on. Jesus did not come only for those high and mighty churchy people. He came for 
folks that are poor and broke and don't understand and who don't have anything and, and who can't even put two and two together. Matter of fact, the more humble and lowly we are, the better he is about saving our souls. So you're here and you're thinking, man, I don't belong here. Yes, you do in Christ Jesus. What in the world? Listen, it ain't about the show. We got the best bar t band in Tuscaloosa. We got the best facility in it ain't about all this. All of us came to Jesus broken and undone like all of us really and truly are. There's no qualification. Just interaction between one soul who's hungry to be out of the death house and wants to be alive in Jesus' house. So I want you to search your soul and I want you to pray. And ask God to forgive you of your sins, to make you His. What do I have to do? If I need to get out and come to the altar, you can. It's not necessary. I don't know what to say. I don't know what words to pray. It doesn't matter. You talk to God like you would talk to your best friend. You talk to God like you would talk to somebody you've known all your life. And if it sounds just like this, it's okay. Hey, man, look. Here's where I'm at. That's fine. Here's where I'm at. I'm in this death house. Preacher's done preached. And he done got me, got me thinking I need to be with you. You work it out with God. Humble your hearts and believe that Jesus is the Son of God and ask Him to cleanse you and save your soul. If you want to come to the front and you want to pray, I would be glad to pray with you. would love to lead you in prayer. would love to. would encourage you to do so. But you don't feel like you have to. You can do it right there in that seat. So I want to ask, is there anybody who wants to come forward for prayer this morning? Come on now. I'm in the middle of this row. You know you need to get out. Come on and get out and come on forward. Just tell them to move out of the way. You're moving from the death house to the life house. Come on. Come on. I'm already saved, but I just want more of Jesus. You can come too. Come too. There is not a single person in this house who's looking around thinking, well, <laughs> glad they went. <laughs> no, I remember being in the death house myself. I ain't got a leg to stand on. I want to come help you get out of the death house. I want to see you come out of the sin house. Come forward today. Come forward today. Hallelujah. Now, for all of you churchy folks, for all of you folks that are in this house thinking, all right, I'm good with God, and that wave of conviction came through this place, right? That wave of conviction came through, and you realized you liked the sound of sin, and you like to go over and eat lunch in the, in the jailhouse. All of those churchy people, all those religious people, all those people who've been living with Jesus for a while. And God came by and said, yes, sucker, you need to get that out of the way. I'm asking you to come pray too. This ain't about salvation. This is about lordship. This is about, oh my God, I don't want to live in the graveyard. I want to be alive in Jesus. You can come too. Or you can pray right where you are. But all over this house. Everybody qualifies. We're walking through it.
We're walking through it. Surrendering. Surrendering. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that we are no longer dead in sin, but like baptism, we have been buried with Christ. And we are now new, born again, resurrected in this new life, this new house. God, I pray for my friends. I pray for myself. I ask you, God, to take out the roots of flesh and sin. Lord, give me an ear to hear your language. Oh God, raise me up eternally in your life and in your house. God, would you pour more life upon me. God, forgive me of those areas in my soul where I'm still wanting to be in the slavery of sin. And, and God, I'm, I'm still wanting to be my own Lord. But God, help me. Help me to be more like you. Teach me, Jesus, how to live for you every day. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me, God. I am totally undone without you. I need you. Help me, Jesus. Thank you for grace that abounds and mercy that floods and love that is so amazing in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, that you have raised me to the newness of life in you. Lord, I pray that you put me together, whole, healed, put together in you. Help me not to have this vision of what I think it should be, but give me the vision of what you want it to be. And Lord, when I experience it, when I feel it, or when I don't, God, give me the faith to trust you that more life is on the way. Give me faith to believe that, God, when I'm not where I need to be and I'm undone emotionally, that more of you is on the way. You're there with me. And Lord, when, I, when I'm experiencing it, I know that you're close. Help me be humble in knowing that there's more on the way. Thank you for life and life eternal. I also thank you, God, for Paul in chapter 6 of Romans. Thank you that he teaches us that it's not by works lest any man should boast, but we're truly Saved by Jesus, by His grace, by Him giving us faith. Thank you, God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Sing us in that chorus, Isaac. You're a good, good father. Everyone sing. You're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are.